that music is epic, right? I feel like that's like too good of a video for me to follow. No. Uh, well, again, welcome to Vaughn Forest Church. Like I said just a moment ago, my name is Chad. Excited to be here with you today as we are kicking off our new message series, Pursuing Purpose. But before we get to that, uh, I do want to pause for just a moment and say thank you, thank you, thank you to all of those who joined us last Sunday at our 30th anniversary celebration. What an amazing time it was as we celebrated 30 years of God's faithfulness to Vaughn Forest Church. Look forward uh, to what the Lord is going to be doing next in this next season, and uh, just an incredible time. Great to see so many members, old and new, and uh, just get to remember all that the Lord has done and celebrate that. And I also want to say a very special thank you to Pastor Jay Wolf, who was here with us last Sunday, who brought the message, and uh, it's so incredible having Jay here. Jay was, as many of you probably know, but if you don't, Jay was the pastor of First Baptist Church, who over 30 years ago had the vision to plant Vaughn Forest Church. And so Jay was here. So many folks who were a part of that initial process were here. We got to hear stories and celebrate together. And uh, man, just what an incredible time that was. And if for some reason you missed out on the opportunity to be here for that, let me encourage you uh, to head over to vaughnforest.com or go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash vaughnforest, and, uh, and check that service out. Because it was a really, really special time, a great reminder, a great time of celebration. And so, uh, again, thank you guys for being here. Uh, and just, uh, it, it was incredible. Looking forward to the season that the Lord has next for us. But today, we are kicking off this brand new teaching series called Pursuing Purpose. We're talking about finding God's meaning for your life. And in our lives, we have so many questions, don't we? We have so many questions. As a matter of fact, if you are joining us here today, whether you're on campus or joining us online, you probably had to answer quite a few questions to even get where you are at today. The first thing you had to do is you had to decide to wake up and get out of bed. Then maybe you had to decide whether or not you were going to take a shower. I hope that you did. Then you had to decide, what service am I going to be going to today? Am I going to attend in person? Am I going to attend online? If you decided to attend in person, you had to decide, what am I going to wear? How are we going to get the kids? ready? What are they going to wear? What are we going to have for breakfast? Are we going to stop for Starbucks or drink some of that way better Vaughn Forest Church coffee once we get there, right? All kinds of decisions you had to make, questions you had to answer before you got here. Sitting out here right now, you're probably thinking through some questions like, how long is this guy going to talk? Am I going to get to lunch on time? What are we going to take to our Super Bowl party this afternoon? Who's going to win the Super Bowl? If you're anything like my daughter, you're wondering, is Taylor Swift going to be at the Super Bowl? If you're anything like the rest of us, you're probably asking, who cares? Can we please get back to football, right? So there's plenty of questions that we ask on a daily basis. And if you look over the next couple of days and the next couple of weeks and the next couple of months, those questions grow exponentially. And those are just the small little questions that we ask in life. What about some of the bigger questions? Things like, who am I going to marry? What's my career going to be? How can I keep my job in an economy and in a time where it seems really, really tough to do so? When should I retire? Will I even be able to retire? How do I raise my kids? Why is this so difficult? These bigger questions in life that we ask. And then there's the really big questions. The kinds of questions that entire religions and <clears throat> philosophies and theologies are founded on. Things like, why am I here? What's the point of all this? What is it that God expects of me? 
And we all face questions in our lives, and we're all looking for answers. And in this series, we're going to talk about some of those big questions that we all face in our lives. And we're going to talk today just a little bit, and over the next three weeks, just a little bit about how we have a creator God who we can turn to when we face those really big questions in our lives, the kinds of questions that we lay in bed at night that keep us up at times, those huge questions that all of us ask at one point or or another. And the good news is that God welcomes our questions. God embraces our questions. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was on this earth, God in human form, when he was on this earth in the gospel, we see that Jesus was asked questions 183 times. Times. And every single time, Jesus welcomed those questions. He didn't rebuke them. He didn't get angry. They asked a lot of questions of Jesus. And if Jesus, who again is the clearest picture that we have of God, welcomed our questions back then, then we can be confident that the Lord welcomes our questions now. And the big idea for our Pursuing Purpose series is simply this, that we all have big questions in life, and God's Word has answers to our questions. All of these questions that we ask, these big questions, God's word has answers to all of them. And when we answer the big questions in life, oftentimes the subsequent questions that follow after, the answers to those tend to become clearer as well. And so in this series, we're going to be searching God's word for the answers to these questions, and I'm excited to be digging into this with you guys. To give you guys an idea of what we're going to be looking at over the next three weeks, this is a three-week series. So today, week one, we're going to be asking the question, who am I, and answering the question of our identity. Who am I? Who has God called me to be? Next week, week two, we're talking about asking the question, where do I fit? The question of belonging. So many of us have the question in our lives, where do we fit? Where do we belong? And then finally, week three, how can I make a difference? The question of purpose. Why am I here? What is my purpose that the Lord has put me on this earth for? And so I would encourage you to make sure that you're here for every single one of these weeks. If for some reason uh, you can't be here in person, maybe you're sick or traveling, uh, make sure that you check it out online because every single week we're going to build on the previous week's conversation. Another thing that I'm super excited about for this series, over the next three weeks, for the next 21 days, we are going to be offering daily devotions that accompany this series delivered right to your inbox that will be uh, based on that previous week's sermon and encourage you and help you as we are looking at these different questions that we have in life. If you are signed up for our weekly shout-out email, uh, if you get that every single Wednesday morning, uh, then you are already signed up for our daily devotions. They will be coming to you every single morning at about 4 a.m. We want to make sure it gets there early. I know we have a lot of early birds in here. Uh, But if for some reason you are not signed up on our shout-out list, here on your connection card at the bottom, there's a next step that says, have some sign me up for the shout out list. And so if you would like to receive those 21 days of devotions that accompany this series as we pursue purpose together, make sure you check that box uh, and drop that card off in one of the bins and we will make sure to get you signed up for that. Uh, But I'm really excited for this series. I think it's something that's going to be incredibly helpful for all of us uh, as we talk about these big questions that we all face in our lives. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to dive into week one of pursuit purpose. So Father, we do thank you for today. God, I thank you that you have drawn us here to this place. God, I thank you that your word offers us so many answers to the questions of life. God, I thank you that you welcome those questions. 
And so, Father, I just pray now that as we, as we dive into your word, God, as we look at what answers your word has, God, that you would speak to us. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So like I said, we're kicking off our series today, week one, asking the question, who am I? The question of identity. And this phrase, this term identity is something that gets thrown around quite a bit today in our modern culture. You hear it all the time. I identify as this or I identify as that. And unfortunately, what has happened to so many of us is our identity, the way we perceive ourselves, has gotten completely wrapped up in our circumstances or maybe how we feel at the moment or maybe in the way that others around us think of us. We have let our identity get completely wrapped up in temporary things. Maybe you've been feeling sad, and all of a sudden you say, you know what, my identity is sad or depressed. And certainly those things exist, and I'm not belittling that, but that is not your identity. Maybe it's even a good thing, like mother or father, parent, grandparent, and your identity because that's what everyone around you perceives you to be, or that's your stage of life, that then becomes your identity, and it takes over who you truly are. Your identity is not what you feel like. Your identity is not your circumstances. It's so much more than that. So how do we answer this question of who am I? How do we answer this question? How do we even begin to figure out what our identity is? If it's not wrapped up in our circumstances or in our emotions or in what those around us think of us, then how can we define what our identity is? And it's a big question because if we don't get to define our identity, who does? Who is it that gets to define who we are? And to answer this question, we're going to have to go all the way back to the beginning. We got to go all the way back to the beginning because we are created beings. We are created beings. We have a creator and we are created beings. Now, I know that there may be some debate about that. And if you want to have a conversation about that, uh, maybe we could go grab coffee or grab lunch. I would love to have a conversation with you about that. We don't have time to get into all of the evidence today, but suffice it to say this, that there is a mountain of evidence that when you look at all of the data screams that we have a creator and an intelligent designer. We are created beings. And again, if you'd like to discuss that further on the side, hit me up after the service. I would love to have that conversation with you. But for today, for our time together, we're going to lean into this fact that we are created beings. And if we have a creator, then that means something about who we are. If we have a creator, that means something about who we are. And it means something about our identity. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be picking it up in verse 24. Very easy to find Genesis chapter 1. Genesis is the first book in the Bible. Chapter 1, it's the first chapter in Genesis. And we're going to be starting at verse 24. If you don't have your Bibles, no worries at all. We're going to put all the scripture up here on the screens so you can follow along. But to begin to understand, understand who we are and to answer the question of what our identity is, we have to start here at the beginning. So picking it up in verse 24, and God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. So we are in the middle of the creation story here. Uh, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind, and it 
was so. I want to pause here for just a moment because this is a big deal and I don't want us to blow past it. It says, and it was so. The Lord is speaking and he is creating and the power of God is such that when he speaks, everything responds to what he says. He says, create this thing and it is so. So what are the mountains that we see? It is what the Lord intended them to be when he spoke and it was so. What about the oceans? It is what the Lord intended them to be, and it was so. The creator is creating. What about all the animals that we see in the plants? The Lord speaks, and it is so. What is the livestock it talks about here? It is what the Lord intended for it to be, also delicious, and it was so. So God is in the middle of creating here, and as God speaks, everything obeys his spoken command. Do not blow past that. That is a very, very big deal. Picking it up in verse 25, it says, God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. So we're towards the end of creation here. God has been working for six days, and then he rests. Not because God needs rest, but because he's setting an example for us of what it looks like to have healthy rhythms of work and rest in our lives. But God creates, he speaks, and everything follows the commands of his voice, and he calls it very good. And I know what some of you may be thinking. You're probably thinking, Chad, if everything is so very good, then how come whenever I turn on the news, things look not good? Things look very not good. And everything seems like such a mess. And in my life, if everything was supposed to be perfect, well, how come everything sometimes seems so chaotic and so messed up? And to answer that question, we've got to go back. If you were here at the start of our message series, The Battle for Your Mind, about a month ago, we talked about the fact that right now we are living between two gardens. There was the garden at the beginning, which we just read about. See, the Scripture tells us that at the beginning, the earth was formless and void, and God speaks, and he brings order into the chaos. And he makes all of this creation. He says it is very good. But what's going to happen just a couple of chapters later in Genesis 3? Sin is going to enter into the equation, and it is going to bring chaos to God's perfect creation. And what you see around you in the world today is a result of that chaos. Now, the good news is we know that at the end of time that the Lord is going to bring us back to that garden state. 
that the Lord is going to return and he is going to bring order back to the chaos and it will be good once again. But right now, we live in between those two gardens where sin has brought so much chaos. And sin comes in and it messes it all up and it changes everything and we see the same thing happen in our lives. Sin comes in and it distorts our perception of what our true identity is. It comes in and it takes what is good and it makes a mess out of it. It warps our view of who we were intended to be by our creator. Sin changes our perception of our identity. And unfortunately, we start to believe the lie of sin that tells us that our identity is found in our circumstances, that our identity is found in our pain, that our identity is found in, in just life, what happens to us, that our identity is found in what others perceive us to be. And really what sin does is it tells us that our identity is found in anything else besides what our creator God intended for us to be as his creation. So I've got just one big idea for you today. Normally, uh, we, we have several different message points, uh, but just one big idea for you today. If you walk out of here with this, uh, then I think that it will be incredibly successful as we are looking at what it means, what our creator God calls us when it comes to identity. So our big idea for today is this, and we're going to spend some time on this unpacking it. Since we are created beings, then we are not the measure of or central to anything. Since we are created beings, then we are not the measure of or central to anything. In other words, it's not about us. Therefore, our identity is not something we have to discover for ourselves, but instead it is something we receive from the one who created us. Since we are created beings, since we have a creator, it's not about us. Therefore, our identity is not something that we have to discover for ourselves, but instead it's something we receive from the one who created us. Our identity is not something that we have to go out there and search and search and search to find what it is, but rather it's something that we have been given by our creator, God. Because we are created, we do not define our identity ourselves. I think about my daughter, Ava. Uh, Ava loves uh, to paint. Ava loves to draw. Ava loves to do clay. Ava is an artist. And she loves all the time. If you, if you ever go looking for her, she is probably sitting at the kitchen table in there drawing something, painting something, creating something. Proud dad moment. At her school a couple of weeks ago, she won first place in her uh, art contest. So way to go, Ava. We're proud of her. But Ava loves to create. It's just her passion. And what Ava is creating does not get to tell her what it is. Rather, she, as the creator, gets to tell the created object what it is. The creator determines the identity of what is being created. And in your life, you're either going to believe what your creator God says about you, or you are going to believe the lies that sin tells you about who you are. And the more you believe the lie of sin, the further you move away from the original design that your creator God has for you in your life, the further you move away from your true identity. And it's so easy for us to fall in that lie, right? It is so easy for us to fall into that lie, to get our eyes off the original intention, the original uh, creation, what God calls us. It's so easy to do. It is so easy. Why? Because so many of us have been through so much pain. 
and so much hurt. If I were to pass a mic around in this room, don't worry, I'm not, but if I were to pass a microphone around in this room, every single person in this room probably has a backstory of hurt, of trauma, of situation that you have walked through, life circumstances, sin that you have walked through that's clouded your view of the true identity that your creator God has for you. And the enemy wants you to be defined by that backstory. The enemy wants you to be defined by your hurts and your sin and the circumstances of life. But you, your creator God loves you and wants you to be defined by the identity that he has given you. So if you are in Christ, if you have made that decision to follow Jesus and make him Lord of your life, the question is, what is our true identity? And I went through scripture this past week, preparing for this message, and I found several different bits of scripture. And on your notes today, we're going to start digging into some of the scripture, and there are some blanks that I would encourage you to fill out, because I think in our lives, this is going to be a really encouraging list for you. When you walk through those difficult seasons, when you lose sight of your true identity, go back to what this list says, because it's straight from scripture of what your creator calls you. And this is not an exhaustive list, but it is a list that I think can be very encouraging to you. So first, we go to Ephesians 1.7 that says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So what does this mean for your identity? You are redeemed. You are redeemed. If you are in Christ, you are redeemed. And redemption means that nothing is ever wasted. God takes the hurts. God takes the times in our lives that are rough and he redeems those. He takes our mess and he makes it a message. You are redeemed. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Because of his great love for us, what does that mean for our identity? You are perfectly loved. If you are in Christ, you are perfectly loved. Our creator God is perfect and his love is perfect. There is nothing you could do to get away from his love. He loves you. He loves you perfectly. Look at what he paid for you. He paid his son so that you could be in relationship with him. You are perfectly loved. Not only are you perfectly loved, you are also perfectly liked. The Lord loves you and he likes you. 1 John 3.1 says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. So what does this mean for our identity? You are a child of God. You are a child of God. And maybe sitting in this room today or watching online, you don't have the best relationship with your parents. I hope that you do, but maybe... You've had some disunity come in there. Maybe there's been sin or maybe there's been something that's come in between that relationship between you and your parents. But what I want you to hear me say today is that God is the perfect father who always gets it right. And because of his great love for us, our identity is child of God. Think about your kids, for those of you that do. When your kids win, how excited you get for them, how you cheer them on. Think about when your little ones were learning how to walk for the first time and they stumbled and fell. Do you remember the falls or do you remember the steps? 
You remember how much you love them. You know how much you love them. There's nothing that could ever come in between that love that you have for your child. And that is the way that our Father God looks at us. You are a child of God. 1 John 2.12 says, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have, have been forgiven on account of his name. So what does this mean for our identity? You are forgiven. If you have trusted in the, in the price that Jesus Christ paid on the cross, you are forgiven. You have been made right with God. Scripture literally tells us that he takes our sins and he separates them as far as the east is from the west and he remembers them no more. You are forgiven. No matter what you have done, you are forgiven. Perfect forgiveness that keeps no record of wrong. Psalm 139, 13 through 14 says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. What does this mean for our identity? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the Hebrew word here used for fearfully is not like a scary kind of fear, but rather a, a, a kind of awe. It is amazing that the Lord has made you the way that you are. God knit you together in your mother's womb. As he was doing so, he had you in mind. Unique you. That is your identity. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Unique. As Mr. Rogers has said, there is no one else in the world quite like you. And Scripture backs that up. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Romans 8, 38-39 says, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What does this mean? You are never alone. You are never alone. There is nothing that can separate you from God's love. Even when you walk through the toughest times in your life, you are never alone, no matter what you walk through. God's word promises us that we will never be alone, that he is always there with us. When we feel isolated, when we feel by ourselves, we are never alone. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So your identity, you are justified. You are justified. Any accusation against you will fail. You are justified. And because of the work of Jesus on the cross, when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You are justified. And maybe today you've felt burdened. You feel like, man, I just feel like I keep messing up. Chad, you don't understand. And what I would have you hear me say today is that if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, then you and God are good. You're good. You are perfectly justified in the eyes of God. Finally, this, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean for your identity? You are victorious. You are victorious. And so many of us feel weighed down by the weight 
of the world. And Christ has won the victory for us, not just so that we could spend eternity in heaven with him one day, but so that we can live in victory here on this earth, living in the identity that our creator God intended for us to have. And this list could go on and on and on. Scripture is full of promises about our identity, but ultimately what it all adds up to is that our creator has given us an identity, and that identity is that you are loved by our creator God. And that is good news this morning, that the things that God says about you, those are the things that are the most true. Not your circumstances, not what others say, not your sin. You're not defined by any of that. You are defined by a creator God who loves you. Now, most of us would agree with that intellectually, right? We read God's word. We see that when I talk about these different promises, we see these in God's scripture and we would agree with that. And yet so much of the time, it seems like we have a problem really identifying with that. We have a problem feeling that in our hearts. We have a problem truly believing that that is what the reality is. It can be so hard to believe that we are loved and that that is our identity that our creator has given us. Why is it so hard at times for us to believe that? Well, I blame VeggieTales. I blame VeggieTales. You guys remember VeggieTales? Anyone in the room grew up on the... Okay, I see hands going up everywhere. You guys remember Larry and Bob? I mean, the song was awesome, right? We dug that. But what happened on VeggieTales? Every single week they would come and they would give you a moral lesson, right? They would teach you morality. And hear me say this. I am not anti-morality. I am all about morality. We should live moral lives according to God's word. Morality is good. But here's the problem. Because of shows like VeggieTales and others, so much of the time we start with morality. We start with morality as the foundation of our relationship with God. And morality should never be the starting point of our relationship with God. When you lead with morality, it sets you back. When you start with the thou shalls and the thou shall nots, that starts you at a terrible place to begin a relationship with the Lord. Why? Because we are chasing something that is impossible. We are chasing perfection. What ends up happening is it warps our view of our creator God when we start with morality. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity writes this. He says, there's a story about a schoolboy who was asked what he thought God was like. He replied that as far as he could make out, God was the sort of person who's always snooping around to see if anyone is enjoying himself and then trying to stop it. And when we start with morality, oftentimes this is our perception of God. That God, our creator, is this great cosmic killjoy who's just looking around for folks who are having a good time and he is trying to put a stop to it. That he expects perfection from us and this is not the God of Scripture. And so many of us, we grew up with this idea that we always had to be striving towards perfection. Should we be moral? Yes. Should godly biblical morality be a part of our lives that we are chasing as a part of the sanctification process? Yes, absolutely. But do not equate your morality with your identity. Do not equate your morality with your identity because that is not what our creator God does. This is a great quote. You may want to write it down. It says, God does not say, do these things so that I will love you, but rather, he says, I love you, so follow me. God does not say, do these things so that I will love you. He says, I love you, so follow me. 
Every other belief system in the world teaches morality, whereas Jesus wants a relationship with you. That is our starting point. Our starting point is a relationship with our creator, God. And it is an invitation to abundant life, and it is about orienting our lives to what God has said is true about you. So who gets to define who we are? Only our creator, God. Who gets to tell us what our identity is? Only our creator, God. So start with what your creator, God, who loves you more than anything, start with what he says about you is true because that is your identity. This list that we just read and more promises in God's word, that is your identity. Lean into what your creator has said about you because who are we as his creation to argue otherwise? I think there's a scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians it really ties all this together. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And this is mind-blowing. This is incredible stuff. Literally, that God made Jesus, not that Jesus ever sinned, but that God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That Jesus paid that price for us so that we could be righteous. What is your identity if you are in Christ? Well, when God looks at you, he looks at you as though you had lived the life of Jesus. Because he looked at Jesus as though he had lived our lives on the cross. He looked at Jesus as though he had lived our sinful lives so that he could look at us as if we had lived the perfect life of Jesus Christ. So what is your identity? Your identity is righteous. Your identity is loved. That is what your creator God calls you. But we only can begin to discover that true identity through a relationship with Jesus Christ. The band's gonna come and lead us in a time of response. And today I think the response is probably twofold. Uh, maybe as you're sitting in this room today or, or watching online, when I talk about being in a relationship with Jesus and knowing what your true identity is from your creator, you would say, Chad, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never made that decision to follow Jesus. And I think today there's an open invitation that if you would like to make that decision to discover what your true identity is, to follow Jesus, in just a moment, you're gonna have the opportunity to do that. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And there's nothing magic about the words of this prayer, but Scripture says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that forgiveness and that righteousness that Christ won on the cross is available to all who ask. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And if you would like to make that decision today, I would encourage you to pray along with me. There's also a next step on the back of your connection card that says, I'd like to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So if you would like to pray that prayer, if you want to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, I would encourage you to check that box and we would love to follow up with you this week on that. That's the first response. The second response is maybe you're in this place today and you know that you have a relationship with Jesus, but your perception of your true identity has been so warped and so changed that it's hard to see it. Maybe life has just been tough. Maybe there's a sin that you've been struggling with. Maybe it's a season in your life that's just been so difficult. And I would encourage you as we pray and as we respond in worship to ask the Lord to bring back that clear vision of who you really are, the way that God sees you. Perfectly loved. Righteousness. 
having the righteousness of Jesus. Let's pray. So Father, I do thank you for today. God, I thank you for your word. And God, I thank you that your word offers us so many amazing answers to these questions of life. And God, I just pray for those who are here today, maybe, maybe watching online. God, for those who are struggling with their identity. God, maybe there are those that have never entered into that relationship with you. They've never discovered their true identity as child of God, as perfectly loved. God, I just pray for those that want to begin that relationship with you today. God, that they would just say this prayer repeating after me to say, Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've done things wrong. Please forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. I want you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. And I want to follow you all of my days. And so, Father, I pray for those who have prayed that prayer, God, that you would send encouragement to them, God. You would give them boldness to mark that next step on the connection card so we could follow up with them so they could experience what it's like to be in that relationship with you. God, I thank you that you have forgiven them and redeemed them. God, I pray for those who've maybe just lost sight of what their true identity is. God, I pray that as we respond and worship in this time, God, that you would speak to them, that you would encourage them, that you would give them the boldness to speak to you, that you would restore the relationship, because God, we know that you've never moved. So God, we pray all of this in the matchless name of our creator, God, in the name of Jesus, amen.